It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. This is Eric Mack with the third episode of Liberally Correct. The song you just heard there was uh, Superman by R.E.M. from their 1986 album, Life's Rich Pageant. We'll actually be playing another song from that album to close out the show. Um, But in the meantime, we have the second half of the episode we recorded about uh, Bernie Sanders and the effect that he had on the hillary clinton campaign and uh we we ended up recording about two hours worth of uh show and we want to keep each episode to about one hour so uh we just decided to split it in half and so uh without further ado here's the second half enjoy well hang on you're, you're hitting you're hitting something that's really important that we talk about but i don't hear it discussed a lot this was a change election. You heard pundit after yes. pundit after pundit say. And I should have said uh, yes. I should have said this at the top because I was in the San Jose airport last week. Was it last week or whenever that was? And I was talking to, you on, I was talking to you on the phone. Yes. Yesterday, whatever. Yeah, and I said the thing that pisses me off most about Bernie Sanders is that he solidified the notion that this was a change election and that we needed a political revolution. He said that every time. Yeah, we need a revolution. Was like the climax of his speech. And. For some reason, his supporters don't seem to understand why that was damaging or why that would piss people like us off, who all I wanted was for somebody other than Donald Trump to be president because, I mean, Trump is a joke. Yeah, he's he's I mean, there's a lot of ideas tied into this. I'll hit the one that I think we kind of danced around here. I don't want that many things to change in America. I just because some of them are extremely important that should change doesn't mean I want most things to change. I would like our police force to be a little less terrifying to people who don't look like me because a a functioning police force is 
about the most important thing we've got going in this country, a functioning fair police force. And so if it's not fair to some of the citizens, and in fact dangerous to some of the citizens, that's, that's a big, big problem. But that's not something just the president can solve. And in the, I, I know this sounds callous, but in the scheme of the United States, in the, in the scheme of issues that the government has to work out, local, state, national, that, that's a relatively small fix. Not on a personal level, not if you've actually personally been affected by this massive problem, but it's, we don't have to rewrite the Constitution to make our police forces effective for everybody, right? Uh, and there, there are other major problems in the country that are, again, in the grand scheme, not as major. You don't need a revolution for those things. So when people are saying, I want massive change, I want massive change, I want a few things to change. We need to stop throwing around re- the word revolution so irresponsibly. Just because, yes. just because our country had a revolution that ended with the founding of the freest country. We don't know how that's going to change moving forward. But, you know, with the Constitution and the oldest democracy in the world, as I think I think we are, basically every other revolution that has happened in every other country and in, and in places that were, uh, like, too savage to really call themselves countries has been bloody and... You just made the internet hate you. You said savage, but continue. <sighs> Whatever. <laughs> I mean, you just captured the tone of the podcast. Violent, right after you said the other thing. I mean, revolutions are not positive on 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 the whole. I mean, it's we're like the we're the exception that we had this revolution that resulted in freedom. You know, like that is not a natural thing. No, and and the revolution itself was still you know incredibly bloody. Like it's it's not like it was easy. A bunch of it was a lot of people dying of weird diseases. And freezing to death before they even had the opportunity to die slowly from an 18th century bullet. Like, oh man, this really hurts. Can we fix this at the ER that doesn't exist for a long time yet? You know, it was a lot of that. And it was all for, again, a relatively minor change from the method of governance that was already in place. Yeah, I mean, our legal system is based on common law that we basically inherited from the Brits. John, yeah, Ad- we- John Adams was the lawyer who defended the British troops at the Boston Massacre, who were, on, who were put on trial der- after the Boston Massacre. Right. The, the, the essential <laughs> idea was that there, there, there's an idea what, what, what the, what the original Americans, or, or at least the ones who weren't loyalists, the ones who won and seemed to be in charge of things, what the original Americans seemed to be saying was, we're willing to fight and even die because... We believe in the in the idea of the government that you're presenting to us. We just don't think that's actually what's happening over here. We don't think our government is fair, but you you are you know our continent and specifically our country, most most mostly English, right? It's administered by England. You are not living up to the ideals that you have given us, so we're going to try and do it ourselves. You know, it's not the sea change. Like we we want to change everything about how this thing is governed. <laughs> we want to we want to wreck it all. They're saying, no, we want, we want it to be fair for us, obviously not for our slaves, but we want it to be fair for us according to the principles that we've already inherited. So even our revolution was not as dramatic, <laughs> possibly, as some of the things that Trump and Bernie supporters were yelling for. Yeah, this is a time of obviously rapid change. One such example is these things I read about that are happening on college campuses with the microaggressions and stuff like that that literally did not exist seven years ago. 
when we were in college. Did not exist. Not not yeah, at, at all. Yeah, the didn't exist. Uh, that, no, yeah, but like none, like the safe zones or this kind yeah, of stuff. Safe. Like, mm-hmm. oh, if maybe, you see an Asian, no, I feel like, like that's maybe like, like make sure make sure you don't ask an Asian student for help on your math homework unless you actually know that student first. That's a real. That's Which, a that's a real instruction oh, that Jesus. that student that students got at a, at an orientation. Oh my God! That's I'm first of all that's that's the that. worst. That's that's the worst fucking tactical advice. Because I mean, all right, I can see <laughs> if they're saying like reinforce stereotypes. I mean, like right. I, I can see if they're saying like don't ask an Asian American student like uh, about their math. You know, their parents were here for a while. They've learned how to be lazy like the rest of you. But man, if the kid's like, yeah, I was born in Taiwan. I'm here now. Ask that motherfucker about math. I can promise you he's better at math than you are. <laughs> yeah. So the rise of social media has made people feel like they want massive change when they're not aware of what massive change really is and that they Fuck yes. don't really want massive change. Um, I don't think they really do. I think people would be scared if they got the things they think they want. I thought we were going to try to not be condescending. Mm. <laughs> I, I'm not saying that because I think that I have discovered some higher truth. I'm saying that because I lived last year in China, which a lot of people like. A lot of white people. Sorry, I'm, I'm used to calling the white people over there Westerners, which is weird to everybody else, but I just got used to it. A lot of the Westerners like it. They say, "Oh man, there's there's more. You know, there's more buzz here. It's a more exciting time. You know, it's that we can do things here. We can do back home. There's more opportunity." great for you guys i guess <laughs> but china's I, I mean i i found it pretty terrifying there there are not protections for the citizens you you can vanish someone described the chinese political system to me once as you can do whatever you want until they kill you which is sort of how it runs like you can make a massive company with limited government oversight you can pollute the water you can pollute the air you can do whatever the fuck you want for any reason and as long as you know you know know the right people and you bribe the right folks you can climb really high but if there's a populist wave against you then the government might see you as either a threat or an enemy or a scapegoat kind of doesn't matter and you might go away and sometimes you'll come back sometimes you'll come back after the shanghai stock market which is sort of a fisher price my first stock market crashed in uh in shanghai a year later guys started just disappearing and a lot of them ended up back and they're like oh, I had to leave to help the government on my vacation. Like, their statements, their forced statements translated into English were high comedy, except they were really scary. And so, so China has has elements of both of the things that both of our, our, our populist candidates this year represented. And when you see both of them in action at the same time, it's terrifying. On the one hand, China has essentially no business oversight. You can do whatever you want for any reason. Well, how is that working out? You can't always see the sun on a theoretically clear day. The <laughs> lung cancer is pretty, pretty big problem. Yeah. Um, hard to get the, any perspective in that kind of situation. Literally. Right. Uh, the internet is is shut down. I mean, it is really, really closed off. It's getting worse year, year by year. So if someone's writing an article about, oh, the internet in China is not that bad. Check the date on that shit. If it's before 2015, uh, maybe late 2014, they don't know what they're talking about. The government is making a concerted effort to block out information that they don't like that's not from Chinese sources. But on the, at the same time, there's a giant populist current in China. Like a lot of the people who are disappearing because of the stock market crash seemed, I mean, I'm, I'm very untrained in these things. I don't, I don't even speak Mandarin. I was like, what? 
what is happening here was the question I wanted to ask everybody about everything. And I don't think anyone would have really answered, even if I did speak Mandarin. But from what I could gather, you have these guys disappearing in large part because they're perceived to be enemies. Um, uh, maybe a better example is golf courses were made illegal for party members while I was there. Like you were no longer allowed to be a member of the Communist Party in China, the, the government. You were no longer allowed to be a member of the government and go to a golf course. Why? Because it was seen as the place where the rich went to get deals done. You know, where, oh, they're corrupt. It's not that different from this whole idea, oh my God, there were these secret speeches that Hillary gave to these people in power behind the scenes. We've got to stop that somehow. Well, in China, they do that. And it looks funny to us over here. It's not, though. It's, it's, it's very, very terrifying. So China has populism and it has a little bit of fascism. And it has like way out there authoritarian strains of leftism generally. So it's got all of the bad things that we say we want. So when, I'm, I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm, I'm saying, I mean, I see what it's like. And it's, it's, it chokes the life out of you. It's, it's not a happy world. I've lived in it already. And I'm terrified of it. And I, I think people don't know what they're asking for. I really don't. Yeah, so... Maybe not everybody is familiar with the uh, the history of China. Uh, there was a recent incident uh, with Trump and uh, Taiwan. Now, if, if refresh me on the history. Uh, now, when there was the communist revolution in uh, China, I believe it was what eighteen or not eighteen nineteen forty eight, and they basically ran the former who who was in government. Uh, it was Chiang Kai Shek. Yes. was the, the kind of the grand poopa, pretty rightist. A uh, guy that they had, he, he was. They, they they ran him out to to Taiwan, correct? And then right, they, right. They yep, through across the strait. They yeah they and they Taiwan is basically its own. They have their own currency. They have they have their own government essentially, and they're essentially two yeah. different states. But we have this policy, which on the surface of it looks kind of pretty absurd. This idea that uh, since 1979 we've been referring to China as one China. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, uh, so, that, that so is at the school. That, I was teaching that that was actually a rule. You couldn't talk about Taiwan. You could call it a, I think you could call it a special province, but that's, but you could not talk about it as a country. You were asking me earlier about how socialism has become an acceptable word. Oh, and that I scares you. Yes. Now that yes. Uh, the USSR is no more though. I, it's uh, in a sense coming back, but I guess as with an emphasis on autocracy instead of order, do I have my ideologies right there? Okay. I'll find it out later. Yes. We're learning. This is why we're not being condescending. We're, uh, we're learning as we go. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. You know, I've been reading this uh, very big book that's very dense as well. So it's 700 pages of dense economic theory. Uh, it's called Capital in the 21st Century by Thomas Piketty. I'm by no means an expert on economics. But one of the things that the, the takeaways of the first few pages that I've read Literally, I've read like 20 pages was that I never I had never thought about this before because this whole book is about income and wealth inequality. And I, I feel like we need to talk about it when we're talking about Bernie. So Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto in 1848, I think is when that was published, if I remember from history class. He, so he, he came up with this theory and this, this framework. But the thing that the book points out, not, not, not Marx's book this book I'm, I'm reading, points out is that for all these people who, who came up with economic theories back then, they didn't have any actual data, right? There was no federal income tax 
you know, in the U.S. and in other European countries as well until the early 20th century. So there was no, I mean, there, there was no uh, data outside as far, looking in. That's a common problem in uh, economics. I'm told by people who know it far better than I do. It's okay. it's hard to get data, right? Because you're wondering how do we manage how do we manage money? You sort of have to see or resources more generally. You have to wait and see how people do that. And if you're thinking a policy can help, it's kind of hard to test it on a large scale without going all in, right? So it's it's difficult to get data. But yeah, so it's 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 interesting because we need to sort of talk about you know we've had this information revolution that's totally transformed the economy and people just feel kind of unmoored right now um, and just feel like they're adrift at sea or something and and that feeling is real and I get that that's why Bernie and Trump appealed to these people but you know we we had this industrial revolution before that and. There was kind of like how, how during the information revolution, there was this rapid accumulation of wealth into the hands of the few, but that, that eventually tapered off over time, right? And when, when Marx wrote the Communist Manifesto, he's, he saw this as like this infinite accumulation process that he thought that unless the, the working men of all countries, you know, stood up and united and, and violently overthrew their oppressors at the factories that they would have no shot at living a good life ever, which turned out not yeah. to be the case. And a few decades later, I don't know if it was in Das Kapital or something else that he wrote. Um, I think he later sort of uh, amended his his thinking uh, that the first surfaced in the Communist Manifesto. I you, think keep, sort of, you keep giving us research projects. We're going to yes. have to go back and check if that's exactly right. But okay, well, continue. After the two world wars, because the government, uh, n- not not only our government, but you know all the Western government uh, governments, basically needed so much money to fund the freaking wars that there was such a rapid deterioration of the old social order in terms of the class structure, which no longer really exists uh, in in Europe, at least at least not to the to the degree that it that it did a hundred years ago. There were these kind of seismic events that more or less even things out. And now we're sort of at this time that once again, we're, we're, we're seeing this rapid accumulation of wealth into the hands of the few. But if, if history's any indication, we may see things kind of even out in this kind of natural way, like, like it did before. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, it's, it's huh. That's a far better technical question than I am equipped to yeah. answer. I simply don't know well, about it. nobody knows the answer, um, but... Right. But but I obviously I'm not well versed enough in this field to give an answer to have some way of like back of the napkin modeling of how that might go. I, I think I know people a little bit. And I think, yeah, whenever there's a change, people tend to panic. Even if the change is sorry, whenever there's a change, people usually tend to panic. And even if the change is good and people aren't panicking, they tend to assume it will be the way that it is for fucking ever, whatever the thing is. Uh, so here's a small example. Whenever they, uh, wh- whenever you get to a break in a sporting event, you will always have an announcer say like, "Wow, they're on pace for if it's a basketball game, they're on pace for 157 points. They're shooting so well. Uh, they're probably not going to make 157 <laughs> points. They're not on pace for shit, right? Like, if they score the same number of points they scored that quarter every quarter, <laughs> then yes, they'll score 157 points. But that's the idea that that's inevitable because it happened for a very brief period of time at that rate is is silly. You saw it too with our recent housing bubble. Uh, again, I'm not equipped to go into the details 
of why that was mess. But I think it's pretty inarguable that there was this idea that no matter why it's rising, no matter whether it's rising, how it's rising relative to the levels previous that it rose, housing prices have to uh, keep going up. They can't fall no matter what. And even though they're rising wildly, they're rising uh, much faster than they ever did before, they must keep rising at this super fast rate. And if they don't, it's a catastrophe that's unimaginable, let alone that they fall. Like if they stop rising this fast, it's a catastrophe. I think humans are amenable to that sort of insanity. So yeah, your, your little thing gives me a little bit of hope. It's at least possible that we're freaking out a little too much over something that might not change us as fundamentally as we think. Yes. So to get personal and, and anecdotal here, one thing we haven't gone over yet is is the stats as far as, you know, we've had 81 consecutive months of private sector job growth. Um, I think it's about 15 point something million jobs created during that time. Unemployment is now down to 4.6%. There was 2.9% GDP growth last uh, quarter. So these are certainly real statistics. One thing you kept hearing over and over again, it's like, yeah, but I don't, I don't feel that. It's like, okay, yeah, we're not back in the times where we're living in bubbles, like where, where things were sort of too good to be true. Explain on that. When, when was that time? So during the 2000s when we had this housing bubble, for instance, okay. um, and people were buying like second and third homes that they couldn't afford. And I don't know if like people just don't understand that not everybody gets to have an, an island in their kitchen, but it's just, that's just, you know, it's just the way it is. And so, so I think, I think that's fair for some people, but I don't think it's fair for everybody. I think there are a lot of people who didn't necessarily want to have an island in their kitchen who didn't want, but still felt and feel unmoored in this last election. Yeah. And a Um, lot of that is because the, and they're not just white working class. Let's get over that thing. I think a lot of people from everywhere in a lot of different brackets, uh, unless you're actually super rich, unless you're in like the top uh, one ish percent, maybe we'll give them 10 unless you're there. You 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 probably had a chance at least of feeling unmoored <laughs> in the past few years, and I don't think it's because everybody wants massive wealth and garish accoutrements. Well, sure. I mean, I certainly felt unmoored uh, when I graduated from college. I mean, it was almost comical, except it was like depressing. You know, just how the fact that uh, you know no yeah, one I was, was there too. No, I no one was hiring. <laughs> it was just like oh god. You know, you had to go like work for free or yep. work uh, you know like a minimum wage job. Yeah. Which, is, which is not a fun, not a fun choice to have to make. Yeah, the situation is so much different now. There are entire industries that exist now that did not exist at the time. That's nine-ish. Yeah, so like the industry I work in now. I mean, I work in digital marketing, and like that really did not exist the way that it does now. Certainly, when I was in college. So it's just a matter of getting people sort of brought up to speed. That's all. That's well, all it really is. And hopefully, I gotta, I gotta hopefully we'll be able I, to do it. I, I currently work in the industry of scraping enough together to get by, which has been along, around as long at least as Bruce Springsteen songs. Yes. So that's, that's, I don't think that's as much of a growth industry. All right. So we, got, we, got, we gave ourselves a bunch of research projects. I came out with a scalding hot take that is arguably unfair to a probably nice in-person man in Bernie Sanders, but I don't care because when you, when you set yourself up as a symbol for a movement better not be, you know, fucking incompetent <laughs> as a messiah. Ugh. 
<laughs> you, be, you better be able to save people's sins if you get up on a cross for show, is what I feel like with Bernie. Yeah. Um, anyway, save people from their sins. I'm sorry, evangelicals, if I got the syntax wrong. So I guess, I guess we started in our first episode wondering what exactly happened in this election. And we don't know, other than to say that a lot of little things you, you, you can't say one giant thing. We're trying to think about some of the things that went wrong from our perspective or maybe more or less objectively that may have led to a really, really crazy president and two very populist candidates. Uh, we think terrifyingly populist candidates in a short period of time on the national scene. But what's the, I don't know, what's the takeaway for you? <laughs> for our, our jumping off point for further discussion. So, there's, there was an excellent piece by uh, Andrew Sullivan in the New York Magazine uh, several months ago. Um, it was still while the Republican primary was going on. It's very long, uh, but it was the best piece written during the entire election, I thought. It was called uh, America Has Never Been So Ripe for, Tyr- for Tyranny. Basically, it presents the argument that democracies end uh, when they become too democratic. And that's it sort of takes you through how Plato conceived of democracy back in ancient Greece and what its weaknesses would be. Uh, so he hones in on the demagogue, which is why I brought it up. And it, it's, it brings into startling focus, you know, throughout the history of this com- of this country, how we started as much more of a republic. And now we've become far too democratic, I think, in terms of, in terms of how our government is structured. You know, we had these primaries uh, you know why was bernie sanders even allowed to compete in the primaries is a question i have been asking myself over and over when he didn't switch parties ever at any time you, you don't have an answer to that no no it's i i don't know i i think it should have been pretty much i think it should have been by rule of the democratic party not by national law because parties are private organizations but i think it should have been by rule of the party basically impossible for him to run <laughs> But yeah. yeah, you and I are, are I think, conceive of that a, a much differently than, than everyone else does, probably because we spend more time thinking and bantering about it. So, yeah, because we're in a bubble of two as opposed to a bubble of our corner of Facebook. <laughs> yes, but I would encourage everyone to, um, as I said, it's quite long, but I would encourage everyone to um, I'll post the link on the uh, on the episode page where where you might be listening to this. Uh, it's on the liberally correct uh, website. I think everybody if should you read it. Are your and, first uh, listener? Your very first listener. You get a special prize, uh, which is that we probably just identified you. Yes. We think so. Yeah. On on air. So yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. I mean, it's mostly it's it's it's, it's almost entirely about Trump, actually, not Bernie Sanders. But you yeah, think they applied? Well. Uh, I've actually stolen his line over and over again, where I, the idea that uh, Bernie Sanders is essentially a refutation of his own argument, right? Where he's going on and on about campaign finance reform, uh, we need to get the money out of politics, and so forth. Yet, Bernie almost won the whole thing without a super PAC, and the whole thing be, being the nomination. Yeah. So, if anything, I mean, I think money in politics matters a lot less than it did in years past simply because i think tv advertising just doesn't mean jack shit anymore i mean talk Hmm. talk to jeb bush about that one yeah (laughs) 
Oh, so, at least there were some funny, wonderful things that came from this election. The other thing, and this is not funny and wonderful, is just the how brutal it became on social media to... Um, everybody has the right to their own opinion, but I just, I, I just kind of winced whenever I saw all these Bernie supporters basically with their slings and arrows. And uh, I get that, that he was their guy, but... Their slings and arrows alleging outrageous fortune. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I, like I get that that he was their guy, but I felt like they were taking it really personally. And I tried to tell somebody that the president does not actually, and I, I, I will still say this, even though Trump is in charge, the president does not affect your life as much as, uh, you know, obviously the campaigns would have you believe. But that's assuming that the, that the system is healthy and that we don't have a demagogue in office, which we might right now. If, if the president, if the election of the president materially affects your life, it changes your day to day life. It changes the way you interact with the world. That's a problem. Yeah, that is a very bad thing. Ideally, Thankfully, you wouldn't notice the election that much in your day to day. Yeah, the difference between Romney winning in 2012 or Obama winning in 2012, that would have almost no, no difference, uh, no impact in terms of your day to day life. Yeah, I would have for to for, ma- for many Americans. If, it you're, made it- if you're in the military, if you're, you know, there are some exceptions. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, if you're in the military, and again, going back to if you believe that symbols have any power, he may have um, simply by him by his own office, not by himself, but by his own branch of government, made it more symbolically acceptable to be of a different group than you normally see in power. So, so maybe over time, it makes a difference. But yeah, yeah, your your day to day for most Americans. And, Probably not going to change that, that much. And that's because we have such a strong system and such an awesome system where we can go about our day-to-day lives and leave the matters of actually running our country to other people that we elect. Every once in a while, we just show up at the at you know the ballot box and yeah, we like cast, research what happened cast in the last vote. four years. That's oh, and really? then yeah. and then <laughs> they they work for us. That's a pretty great system. You know, when you really get down to it, we should be thankful that we have that system. I don't agree that we need to just blow everything up. I also, I started out this podcast, which was now like an hour and a half ago, saying that like I have a different view of parties now, largely because of Trump and Sanders, because I didn't realize how important it was we had these parties in place to basically prevent demagogues from running through the uh, the finish line and that I had always sort of looked at parties as sort of like, well, that's that's where people who think this way, that's where all they reside. They reside. I, I like to think I don't belong to anything. So I sort of value my independence, you know, that kind of thing. But really diversity within parties only kind of makes them stronger, I think. So, you know, in order. Can we we pivot to all is not lost? Yeah. All is not lost. Now, we have 22 million people who work for the government at at the local, state and national levels. So combined, if you add all those people up, all the people at the post office, all the people... If, if you add President Obama, President Trump, that all that all add all those people up. That's all the people at the airport, trans, at the TSA, all those people. That's 22 million people. That's one in every 14 and a half Americans, um, and that includes kids and senior citizens who do not work. Right? That is crazy. Yeah, fuck them. Get a job. Sorry, it's too soon. <laughs> but does that become our national now, slogan again? Not 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 all of those people are are holding elective office and are doing so on behalf of a party. 
but actually having parties prevents people from from coming in and essentially altering how the government works. They may come in and alter what the government does, but not how it works. And that's important. That's what I wanted to end on. The thing I wanted to end with is, is I think, I'm not sure if it ties neatly, but I think they're conceptually related. I wanted to say, if you're worried about this change in the country, <laughs> if you don't like the idea of a President Trump, if you think that warts and all, the Obama administration was a good thing, the votes are there. Like <laughs> The country, it wasn't a mirage. The country is generally socially much more liberal than it was eight years ago. There are more people from exit polling saying, identifying as liberal than there have ever been. Yes. The, we're, we're going, we're, we're tilting left. But 45% and, of the electorate did not vote. Yeah, and 45% of the electorate did not vote. The, the votes are there. And also, you've got a lot of people who voted for Trump, who, and this is very important as we're, as we're winging around hot takes left and right, like, fuck Bernie Sanders, who, again, is probably a nice man. Still fuck him, but probably a nice man. When we're saying shit like that, you know, you can't get lost in the weeds and forget that yeah, not everybody who voted for Trump was some kind of crazy racist. A lot of them were people who were no. going about their lives, did not follow this that closely, super fucking smart. And all they really thought about was, oh, my insurance premiums went up a lot. I voted Republican in the past. This guy's a little gruffer than you. Many, many of them voted for Obama in the past. Yeah, or voted for Obama in the past. And they're like, yeah, I really don't like her. She seems shady. Uh, I'm just used to... She, she seems She seems like she always wants to hide something, even if there's nothing there. It seems like she always wants to hide something. I don't really like her. And she's trying to raise my taxes. Why should I fucking vote for that? You know, I, not everybody who voted that way will always vote for that party. And not everyone who voted that way is, like, evil or even necessarily that angry at you, you know, if you're on if you identify as a lefty <laughs> so i think i think there's hope i think the votes are there for at least a centrist country relatively speaking and certainly for a slightly more liberal country than it's been previously so it's it's there you gotta vote <laughs> we all have to vote which is something that i didn't do until this election. yes and we all, all and we all have to get more involved with with the two parties i mean we need sane yeah. people in the republican party too um, obviously, oh, yeah. we are leaning more toward the Democratic Party, but we need we, we need we need sane people everywhere. So, and if anything, we need more than two parties, sane people in more than two parties, if possible, if that can happen. Yeah, I mean, what I want is I want two candidates who like I want to actually feel like I I have a choice and like a hard choice that in a good way that like I like wow I actually have two people I would be happy with as president and. I want to pick the best one. Yeah, that is never what happens. <laughs> now, in, in the case of Not case lately. of Obama, I actually liked Obama as a person, and I, I sympathize with his idealist tendencies. I think he's smart. So I, I think you could actually argue that he he was maybe the first populist president since he doesn't really fit into the the Democratic mold. He actually was kind of the original Bernie Sanders, only he sort of had more meat on the bones. Interesting. Wow. Well, maybe we can talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Here, we need to clo- like we need to close on this because I just realized we haven't talked about it. Yes or no? Do you think Bernie Sanders would have won the 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 general? Ooh. Do I think Bernie Sanders would have won? Hmm. It's easy to throw out some 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 guess based on nothing because there's no data on that. Yeah, Let I mean, me go was, with a little bit was of background. Never, he was never portrayed in a negative light. 
by he was never by, challenged by, by Hillary or by the Republicans because nobody took him seriously. He was I never mean, challenged. <laughs> I think he would have been very unpopular. But one thing we really haven't talked about: both candidates were massively unpopular. Yes, like the guy who just won was had insane unfavorability ratings, but so did Hillary. Um, yes. she, it wouldn't it wouldn't have even been a race if there were a like you know not crazy Republican running. <laughs> I don't think yeah. any of those ran even in the primaries. I'm not even sure if they make or or a, or a likable Democrat that wasn't Bernie Sanders. Of right. Bernie or wasn't, like, a, I, wasn't a Democrat actually. Still right. Isn't. I think it would have been similar, I think, for reasons of the gut more than the head. He probably would have kept, I think he would have kept Michigan. Don't know about Wisconsin. I think he would have lost Ohio. Definitely would have lost Florida. I don't, well, he's he's Jewish. He is Jewish. (laughs) And he's he's old. He's old and Jewish. Hmm. It would have been tight. I think he would have gained on her, almost certainly, because I think he would have taken Michigan at least. I can't say for certain. I mean, no one can. But I think he would have done worse in the popular vote for sure. Definitely done worse in the popular vote. I'll go with that. Definitely done worse in the popular vote. But I think he would have. I, I don't know. I mean, who who would you have voted for? I mean, I. Ooh. I wanted because I, I never. I know. Yeah. Like that, that's the problem I have. Everybody is saying, not everybody, but all the Bernie supporters are saying, like, oh, Bernie would have crushed this shit, no problem. But I would have, on principle, because I, I hate the idea of protest voting when uh, when you're essentially throwing your vote away. But on the one hand, if it was this, then that would have been voting for one for there were two demagogues on the ballot, and I think I think one demagogue was much more. He was crueler than the other yeah. in this hypothetical election. And the the thing that I dislike about Bernie Sanders would have actually made him a little more stable, which is that he says the same thing all the time, regardless of context. And yeah. he confuses he confuses an inability to compromise on anything ever with with nobility and with and really with uh, forget forget a skill for governance. He confuses it with uh, like an aptitude for governance. <laughs> I never changed my mind. I'm going to be good at organizing a massive enterprise with a lot of people who don't think the way I do. That's my qualification is I never fucking changed my mind. We. Um, but that would have at least, at least made him predictable. One of the worst things about Trump is on the foreign policy side where he's completely unpredictable. That's one of the ways that it could actually materially affect us if we end up into a real or proxy war with any of these other regional or great powers we're dealing with. If that happens then your life could change because we will all have less stuff <laughs> um, and the world will be scarier and you will not have as many international flights everywhere. Huh. Uh, I think the odds of that sort of scenario would be lower with Bernie Sanders. So only because Trump is on the other side, I would have had to vote for Bernie. I would have had to do it only because Trump's I on think, the other side. Yeah, I think, yeah, it, w- I would have, it would have been the, for the same reason. I was talking to my uh, sister-in-law and uh, about about the election afterwards and she voted for uh, Gary Johnson and so did my brother yeah so she said that and, and I sort of I posed that same hypothetical just kind of a, just kind of jokingly I said well what if it were uh, Bernie Sanders and and she said uh, oh no I would have voted for Trump to keep uh, Bernie out yeah I think there's more of that out there than people think yes um, because Bernie was never considered 
he was never attacked ever. Right. I mean, so was, like, I mean, like I think, in the in the Republican debates and stuff, I mean, he was just just laughed at. I mean, he was ridiculed basically. Right. I think a lot of people would have considered him a loon, a loony. I think because like, of Trump, it comes back to the so, it comes back to the use of the word socialism. People are just so not, freely and liberally not going to. Uh, that's just not going to fly with the majority of the electorate. I mean, that's just it's just not for for good reason. I mean, for good reason. There are there are concepts of <laughs> you you can't. Eh, we'll, we'll go. We're going to go back into a rabbit hole if we do that. Just I'll say for good reason. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I don't mind that the electorate doesn't like the word socialism. That doesn't that doesn't make me think less of the electorate broadly speaking. Um, well, I uh, I think he would have eked it out. Perhaps even losing the popular vote because I think he would have taken those 110,000 votes separating Clinton from the presidency in Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Those 110,000 votes, I think, would have swung to him. I think. Yeah, maybe Iowa. Maybe I still think that's. I think it's too red. Maybe Florida. I think would have gone against him. I really do. They like crazies, but they like. Florida's like Trump. I mean, I'm, I'm from Florida originally, and Florida's just, Florida's like Donald Trump. They like people like that. Oh, my God, he's loud and he steals from people so that he can spend it lavishly on himself on in the crudest ways, like in the, <laughs> in the, uh, in the rudest and loudest ways. That's, you know, that's sort of what Miami is. Uh, pretty fun to visit. It's not a great place to live for the soul, I feel like. So I think Florida was going for Trump regardless. <laughs> Yeah, and and South Florida in particular, I mean, it's a lot of just New York transplants. So, and there's just kind of that that same attitude. Yeah, although, granted, we say that, except that New York went, like, overwhelmingly for Hillary. So, uh, who knows? You can't say for sure. I think the important thing to note is that the idea that it would have been a cakewalk is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, uh, Sanders would have been very unliked if brought to true national scrutiny. Very disliked. Yeah, and if he had actually won, then what? <laughs> because there's no, uh, <sighs> because he would have had to basically let down all his supporters because he wouldn't have been able to pass anything that he wanted to do. Zero. Yeah, yeah, and like if he won, the, I can still see the, the, the Republicans, Republicans would have, would holding have, the Senate and definitely. Like, yeah, they would have dug in like, like I mean, Obama would have looked like nothing compared to Bernie Sanders in terms of an enemy. Yeah. Because Obama, Obama wanted right. to compromise. They, they actually, they, they've been calling Obama a socialist for eight years, and then an actual socialist, you know, <laughs> self-described socialist, you know, taking taking office. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there was no hope there. So, <laughs> it's, it's I mean, like I'd a, rather, I'd rather roll the dice with Hillary and lose than roll the dice with Bernie. Even, know, even, even knowing that, even yeah, well, even knowing that. Well, here's my my long term prognosis. Is I think there are I think some of this isn't going to even be Trump's fault. I mean I think about you know recessions happen every seven to eight years, and I think we're just kind of due for a downturn. I mean eighty one consecutive months of private sector job growth. I mean that's gotta end at some point. Well, I mean some of it's gotta be fake essentially. I don't mean that people are making up jobs and feeding them to the Bureau of Labor Statistics. I mean that uh, some of the financial products that made so many people so spectacularly wealthy for a short period of time i'd be stunned if they're not at play in some way <laughs> still like like i can't imagine that you made an enormous amount of money on uh, messing around with uh, collateralized debt obligations in you know 2004 the think tanks and you're like 
oh, I'll never do that again, <laughs> especially if you didn't personally tank. Right. Like, I, I can't. I can't imagine that there's not a similarly sneaky suite of products and salesmanship at play in some sector of the economy that I'm not involved in, so I don't really know about. But it yeah. wouldn't stun me if there's another. If there's another, essentially con in the offing. I. I mean, it's just it's just bound to happen. I mean, we have, we're at unemployment's at four point six percent right now. I mean, that's. I mean, that has to go up. I mean, it can't really go down any farther so it's not really a question of i mean i'm not going to blame trump for that when the economy starts to go south um, no that's the one thing that won't be his fault in this but coming four years and in, in the sense that i mean it, it's always like this to some degree that you know a lot there are a lot of events that are just outside I mean, we like to sort of spin this narrative that like oh the president like he has a, he's a, he has control of everything but there are a lot of these events that are sort of that the president just has to kind of react to Yep, and that's going to be. And we're going to have to see how Trump reacts to certain uh, events, and that's going to be one of them. And I'm going to be a keen exer- observer to yeah. see just how he and his team handle the news. I suppose. Oh, I feel like a resignation is not impossible. People are talking impeachment. Like he's not going to like the job. Fundamentally, he's going to hate the job. The only thing that's making him actually stand around until he's sworn in is that he can't admit that he's wrong. Like, I think if you told him, oh my God, that was amazing. Um, the only thing that would make us love you more is if you handed it off to name whatever politician as a gesture of like goodwill and then stayed on as our champion. Like, if you, if you concocted some fantasy where he rides off in the sunset without having to do president work, or if you like named him emperor and then let him do Donald Trumpy things and then made other people actually be president, I think he'd love that. I think he's kind of trying to do that. <laughs> right now uh yeah, yeah. I, I i can see like i can see maybe impeachment hearings going against him and before things are concluded him saying ah fuck it and walking <laughs> i can see that well, there's this um th- there's this carrier deal which and this is going to lead into uh the next episode we, we record perfectly so this is uh, this is a good time to bring it up because we're about to call this call, call it quits on this episode but there's this this carrier deal where you know, I first saw the headline, and I was like, "Oh my God, Trump through sheer force of will and intimidation basically got these jobs to stay." Oh my God, like holy shit! How does how is this possible? And then I sort of started reading the details, and okay, so it's it's not it's not a thousand jobs actually. And by the way, twenty it was going to be twenty one hundred jobs, but. They decided to have they decided to have a thousand stay, but actually that's going to be seven hundred jobs. So it's really only a third of. There's still fourteen hundred jobs essentially that are going to go to Mexico anyway. And so, in uh, other words, Carrier got to look good, Trump got to look good, Pence, who has must have a little leverage still in Indiana, gets to look good, and the, it's, ta- uh, the taxpayers do not because right. the, because the state of Indiana is going to be. Uh, you know, it's it's this it's this brand new concept called the subsidy. Uh, yes. Oh my God! The, the, Tell the, me more. The state of Indiana is forking over seven million dollars in tax deductions to Carrier to keep seven hundred jobs there. So ten thousand so, dollars per worker is going to be paid on behalf of the taxpayers. Ten thousand um, dollars per worker. Yes, over over the course of ten years. Yes. Wow. So a thousand dollars a year, plus <laughs> plus other perks. So, but the, it pisses me off because and I want to 
get this last point out and then because this is a good transition to the next episode the media they present all the sides of it including the part about it's just a subsidy like so what you know they're, they're saying like oh this is a huge win for trump because the optics the optics are just so amazing for him this is a huge pr win because everybody is seeing that he's making this deal and keeping jobs i'm like not if you did your fucking job and actually yeah, told yeah. us exactly what was going on and that it was really the Indiana taxpayers who are forking over money for this to keep these jobs here. If you didn't here. lead with the headline, amazing PR win, maybe people wouldn't think it was an amazing PR win. Yes. So, it's possible. So we, I want to wrap up this episode uh, because we have just we talked have for, for two hours about, uh, about Bernie Sanders and we're going to have to divide this episode in half. When, when we thought that after the first hour, the first episode, uh, we were dividing that one in half and that we were only going to be ta- spending uh, another hour total on uh, Bernie Sanders. We like to talk a lot. We on, really, uh, really hope that topic, somebody likes to listen to this. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, um, so, so wrap it up. going to be a really long pilot, by the way. The studio better be happy with this. So what do you want to end on here? Because I want to transition to the media. It's definitely... Uh, I, I, uh, I think Bernie and Trump would not have been possible without social media. And they're like, particularly Bernie was actually able to kind of stay in the game as long as possible because he had this rabid social following. Then that never went away until the end. And it's like, you sort of don't need still hasn't gone away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you sort of don't need money. If you just have this social following. If you have a Twitter following like, like uh, Trump did as well. Yeah. Uh, I guess what I want to end on is an earnest plea to the, uh, let's say, one to four people who might listen to this in this lifetime online. And that's not only are the votes there for, I, I think, a better kind of country, which doesn't even mean a more radically liberal country, just means a more centrist country than the one we're getting. Not only are the votes there for a little bit of sanity if we actually put in the time to do it, but we... For the, for the people that I've probably you know, horribly angered, may or may not ever hear this, on Bernie's side, we can't go on like this. We, 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 government is not about saying your, your spiel, giving a speech for eternity into the abyss. Government is not about getting angry and having your passion get everybody to think the same way you do. Government is very detailed work if done properly much of it should be dispassionate a lot of it's very very boring some big changes in a few people's lives in the short term and a lot of people's lives in the long term may rest on a pretty arcane policy discussion that most of us won't really get either because you know we're living our lives or because we're just not that interested in it whatever it might be we getting a sane country involves voting repeatedly and i'm very very guilty of this i this was my first election i'm as guilty of this as anybody you don't wait until you see something shiny that you like you have to repeatedly vote for mostly boring people often with ego issues over and over to make minor changes in the hopes that things stay mostly the same so that you and your kids can have a good life that's it that's all it is and I think if we just accept that it's not going to be that dramatic and that government shouldn't change most of our lives, I think it'll be 
easier going forward. And maybe we can get some more reasonable people to run for office in the first place. Yes, and part of that, part of the issue is uh, that we have this uh, political media industrial complex that uh, turns this whole thing into a year and a half long horse race. But we'll get into that in the uh, the next episode. What I want to end this on to continue from your point, which we never quite said in in these words, but but the phrase that compromise is government. Like this, yeah. The strength of our country is actually our ability to compromise. So the fact that the, you yeah. know Bernie Sanders was basically selling this "I'd never compromise" bullshit, you know, like we fought a civil war because we could no longer compromise. Like we ran, like we had the compromise of 1850. You know, the three fifths compromise. The I, I need to go back to history class, but you know, in the <laughs> 1840s and 50s, you know, we had this slew of of compromises to try to avert a civil war. And then we couldn't do it any longer. And we fought a civil war and we, you know, we, we had an assassinated president, our greatest president of all time. And uh, we had this, we had essentially a second founding that we, we need to avoid that process. And uh, if it means putting away our Twitter feeds and and Facebook pages, yeah, we might want to consider doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, because it, because actually screaming online does not, do jack shit voting matters and maybe actually getting involved you know on the local level which is boring which is yes, boring which is so boring is that nobody ever bunch, does it yes which is watching a bunch of people often you know pretty small-minded people like people all about their little district their little slice of the world arguing with each other about small things i mean that's what local government is we need to listen to a few of these things <laughs> give a, a tiny bit of our time some of us maybe will give more, but give a tiny bit of our time to listen to these on on local stations you didn't know you had. Listen to these tiny debates. Get a rough feel. The internet makes it easy. Get a rough feel for what people in your immediate neighborhood are saying about what they want to do with your immediate governance. And then vote every time. And again, I've been as guilty of this as anybody. I see the dangers now. I, I see the problem. All right. Well, that will that will pretty much do it for this episode, Brent. It's uh, it's been a pleasure, and yeah, sorry, Bernie. You uh, fuck Bernie Sanders. Uh, he's going to play a pretty pivotal role uh, moving forward, but it'll be interesting to see sort of what his role in the party that he's not technically a member of um, yet helped shape the platform of <laughs> how that's going to my, work. But my first test of my compromise doctrine will be. I say fuck Bernie Sanders and also, well, I got to follow his lead Yes, because <laughs> I have to vote Democrat. There's my first compromise. I really don't like this guy. I think he's dangerous. Also, I've got to root for him and abide at least in some way by his decisions. <laughs> yeah. So we will see you uh, in the next uh, episode with the, where we will tackle the media in uh, great detail. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, it's the last of, yes it's the last of the uh the major topics we wanted to discuss coming out of the gate here um, before we move on to uh guests we hope you're excited by our vague list of upcoming topics yeah we will media uh, media is definitely happening keep an eye out the next episode and we'll uh see you soon that's the end of episode number three of liberally correct and uh wanted to thank you for listening and uh, check out episode number four when we eventually record that, which will be soon. And um, to close things out here, I wanted to play another song from the 
REM album Life's Rich Pageant. This is called Begin the Begin. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. 
So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.